from the living room of a small apartment in central West Virginia, it's time for the Bang Your Head Podcast. And here's your host, Jake Simmons. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into an all-new episode of the Bang Your Head Podcast. As always, don't forget to to give it a rating and subscribe to a podcast feed that has this show, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Listen, subscribe, give me a rating. You know the deal by now, guys. Anyway, uh, super stoked for today's episode. This was actually recorded about two months ago, month and a half ago. Uh, it, was, it was over the holiday season. I um, got the opportunity to make it home to Pennsylvania to see some friends and family, and I got to see my guest on this week's episode, Grace Wagner. I haven't seen Grace. We, we've kept in touch on social media and, and through text message and stuff over the years, but this was the first time I'd actually seen Grace in person in nearly four years, which is insane. And, you know, that's just despite the fact that as you'll hear us talk about a little bit, you know, we both come from the same area in suburban Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And uh, she, in fact, she actually is from my mother's hometown, Palmyra, which is pretty dope. But yeah, it was super cool catching up with Grace. And we learn about her career with Make Films in Lancaster, PA. We learn about our times uh, in college, some, some funny things. We, Grace and I reminisce on, on some funny times during, uh, during our uh, three years as classmates at Kutztown University. So before we get into the interview, though, I want to direct you to the latest independent independent song of the week. Nearly stuttered my words there. But it's The Boys in Crooked Ways. Who else could it be? I, not long ago, I think probably around the same time, maybe early January, The Boys released a new single. They're in the studio soon working on their second album, the follow-up to Time to Panic, which ironically was released about a year ago, uh, just before everything shut down. So super excited to see what they do on the next record. For those who don't know, I was the first drummer in the band before I made the move to West Virginia for work. And I'm still trying to, you know, it still blows my mind that that was three years ago. That's insane. The boys have a new song. Rock out to this, guys. This is Nick. This is Zach. This is Steve. This is Pat. The boys, Crooked Ways, back with a new single. The song is called Filth Wish. And enjoy it. Sing 
for the first time in quite a while, a brand new live installment of the Bang Your Head podcast. And it's something unique because for the very first time, I am in the same room as my guest. Because every other interview up to this point has been via, via, via Zoom. And uh, yeah, some uncharted waters, but we're going to have a, we're gonna have a lot of fun. Uh, my guest is an old college classmate, uh, proud 717 member, uh, current producer with Make Films, based out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And of course, a part of the best major of all time, the CTM department, CTM major at Kutztown University. Grace Wagner is my guest this week. Grace, what's going on? Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, so you, you've been nervous through, throughout, yeah. the, throughout the duration Super of nervous. all of this. Yeah. And it, it's going it's to be fine. I'll tell you the same thing I tell everyone. It's going to be fine. But So we're going to start off with a softball, depending on how you look at this. No, I know what this is, and I know it's a hardball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll ask you the same question I ask every guest every episode. Who is Grace Wagner? Yes, so I, I'm a little prepared for this, but how can you ever be prepared for this question? Oh, you wrote notes? I wrote notes. I'm, <laughs> I'm very much a note person, uh, but I'll never remember what I wrote, so <laughs> um, I have it up here, but who knows what I'll say. So um, I, so my profession is filmmaking. I'm a producer, uh, but on top of that, I'm passionate about traveling and animals um, and just helping people and getting to know people and... Like, my favorite part about traveling is is meeting people and, and learning about different cultures and stuff. So I really like to explore and learn new things and find new passions. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, think, I shouldn't clap. Yeah, well, I'll just cut it out. Uh, <laughs> so let's... let's uh, start back. You mentioned there, you're, you know, you got, you got the producing, you, you know, your interest in filmmaking stuff. But let's let's cycle all the way back. Describe to me uh, what young Grace was like growing up in the thriving metropolis of Hershey and or Palmyra. Palmyra. Yeah, Palmyra. I grew up in Palmyra. Shout out Palmyra. I love you, mom. <laughs> um, you know, young Grace really didn't know anything. (laughs) Or she didn't know what she was doing. Uh, She wasn't very confident. Um, I feel like I was just kind of hanging out, trying to figure things out. And then I I still, I mean, I'm still trying to figure things out. I don't know. But I I, I liked making YouTube videos. And that's really where it all started. And I know I I loved animals. So I'm kind of the same as I was then, just more more learned and, and more passionate about things. What you're saying is that you're the prototype of people like David Dobrik, Liza Koshy, the Paul brothers. <laughs> you were the originator of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yes. <laughs> so was that, was, was the filmmaking production type of thing, was that always like something you gravitated to right away or was it, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of us growing up, it's like, oh, you know, we have interest in, you know, maybe one day, oh, I want to be a doctor or I want to be, you know, a, a rich banker, something, yeah. something like that. Like was filmmaking sort of that first interest for you? So I think it's weird, not, not weird, but, uh, when I was younger, I don't ever remember thinking like, I'm going to do this when I'm older. Like, I don't even know. I didn't know what I was doing or what I didn't like have a clear path for myself. Um, but I, I just always remember I had like a Canon tiny digital camera and I would just like 
film things all the time and like it sounds so dumb and then I would put it into like Windows Movie Maker and just make <laughs> you're cringing um make you know short edits and then when YouTube kind of started becoming a thing in like 2009 um people were making music videos which like I loved and I just thought it was the coolest thing so my friend and I would uh go up to her attic and just film ourselves um, making music videos, and our first one was to TikTok by Kesha, and like I, you know, of course, cringe watching it now, but it's like that was my start, like that was my first interest, and um, I think in my teenage years, I had no idea what I was doing, and so I went to community college right after high school, and I was like, I'm gonna be a dental hygienist, like they make good money, my dad is in healthcare, my sister's in healthcare, and then I hated it, like absolutely hated it. So then I was like, well, the only other thing I've ever really been interested in is, like, video. So, um, and someone suggested Kutztown to me, and I was like, oh, whatever, let's give it a try. And then I went, and, you know, I loved it. So that's how I got here. I had to cringe when you were mentioning uh, Movie Maker just because it was, (laughs) it was, like, high school when, like, my four years in high school were the, ironically, the only four years that our school district didn't utilize Apple products. Oh, so we utilized those, I don't know if you ever use them, but those uh, Lenovo ThinkPads with the, mm. uh, they had like, the, the mouse was like a little red dot, like in the, oh, middle, no. of, like in the middle of the keyboard. I don't know. Um, so like in middle school, like I was like, oh yeah, we used GarageBand and, and all this stuff. Yeah. And when I get to high school, I'll be able to use these Apple products. And then it's these crappy PCs and and like we had to use Movie Maker and when I mention that when I hear somebody mention it or when I mention it just like oh I have to use it it's like like I remember like in in college at at KU like everyone would always be like oh well like you know you want to use Premiere you don't really want to use like you know Final Cut right like like Final Cut was like that original thing but then you go to Movie Maker and, and it's like it makes it makes Final Cut look like, look like yeah. Premiere. Oh yeah, absolutely. I hear I hear people like I had a friend who was trying to start his own vlog and he was using I think iMovie, mm. which kind of made me eh. yeah. And I, and I was like, I I remember unintentionally getting snobby with him and I was like I was like oh my gosh you should use Premiere bro he's like I have no idea what I'm doing dude I, was I, like, I will say one of the best uh, days of my life when I was like 15 is when I got a MacBook and yeah. I could finally use iMovie instead of uh, you, you Windows look, Movie Maker so. you never looked never looked back never looked back no, no so so outside of that. Uh, TikTok parody. Was it was it all sort of like music video things where you put into a bunch of different things together? Talk a little bit about you know different different projects you started. Yeah. On early on. So it was mostly music videos, and it was just a mess. Like I wouldn't show you any of them right now because it, it was me myself. You know, setting the camera. There was no tripod. Setting sure. it on my dresser or the <laughs> kitchen table. Um, but. Well, I know vlogs weren't really a thing then, and I kind of wish they were, because, like, I I think vlogging is really cool. Um, So there was, like, some talking to camera videos, and those don't even exist anymore because I hated them and deleted them. And um, so it was mostly just music videos. It's such an interesting time on YouTube where that's what it was. Like, some people don't remember that or weren't into YouTube at that point, but, like, that's how a lot of these, like, not... Not all of the big YouTubers now, but some of the ones that I still follow, like, got their start was, like, with music videos, which I think is kind of insane. Was that something you were able to kind of parlay into, like, high school classes, or was it solely something you had to do when you weren't 
you know, stuck inside all day. No, it it was such a new thing that I got made fun of a lot for it, actually. (laughs) So I kind of tried to, like, not tell other people when I was making uh, videos. So... They didn't cross paths at all, like with high school classes or anything. Be honest, which of those early projects are you most proud of? (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I can't. (laughs) None of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, so let's fast forward uh, a few years. You mentioned you started at community college and went down one route, and then decided, nah, screw this. Not about this. Then you made the decision to to transfer to Kutztown. Were there other schools at that time that piqued your interest? Was it kind of just like throwing a dart at a board and saying, "I'm going to go to Kutztown"? Did you? What did you know about yeah. Kutztown before you before you transferred? So there was one other school that I wanted to go to, and it's that school in Florida that I can't remember. Full Sail. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Full yes. Sail University. And of course, it you know it looked amazing. And yeah. and my parents were like, absolutely, we're not. We're not paying however much it costs to go there. Um, so that was a little disappointing. But then I was talking to like a, uh, like a counselor, a college counselor. And she was like, I know Kudstown has this great program. You should check it out. And so I went to visit. And one of my friend's friends was going there at the time. And so I spoke to him and he was in the major um, and he just completely sold me on it. Like the, and the campus is beautiful, like loved it. And I was like, well, you know, and I felt kind of stuck where I was like at home. I didn't want to live at home anymore or go to community college. Like I felt like I really needed to get out. Um, and Kutztown was like an hour away from home. So it was kind of like the perfect place for me. So when you first arrived on campus and you decided to make 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 the move switch majors do all that and i'm assuming you're you're halfway in at this point right so uh was there was there a sort of i don't know if pressure is the right word but you know i was almost convinced to go to community college for two years my my dad had to be convinced off a high horse like no he's going to kutz stop it nice um but like you know, it's a thing where it's like you're starting on one path and, and going to another. And I, you know, you and I, you know, we both know people who was who were there all four years, mm-hmm. but maybe halfway through, or in some cases, maybe after three years, like they might be, you know, business, and then all of a sudden decide to switch to like psychology or mm-hmm. sociology or something like that. Um, so, so I guess I guess a roundabout way of asking this is like, were there were there initial nerves when you decided to transfer to to make that kind of abrupt change in major. Yeah, absolutely. So I transferred after my freshman year. So I wasn't quite halfway through, which okay. is nice. Um, and I went into it just like, I like kind of like how I've been my whole life, which isn't great. Just like, well, I'm going to try it. You know, like, <laughs> here we go. Like not having like any specific goals. But then I had um, my first uh, CTM EM class was with Michael Johnston. And it was his first semester. It was my first semester. And it was like this studio practicum class or something okay. where we use the cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he just like completely sold me on it, like his passion for film. Um, and then I also met like my three best friends in that class. So everything like kind of from day one just fell into place. And I was like, this is amazing. It was almost like it was meant to be. Yeah. Like, it just kind of just all, all clicked at once. Yeah, it was amazing. So you had that that first class that seemed to be a little bit of an easier entrance than some people. Yes. Um, 
as somebody whose first class was audio production with uh, Professor Barish, hate to hear it. I can, you know, I can, I can attest. Um, but, but, but you're, you're, you mentioned that first class with with Professor Johnston. Did it? I think sometimes with with certain professors, you know, there might not be that connection necessarily between a professor and his class. And I remember having, I think I had him for script writing, mm-hmm. which I think we had together. I can't no, remember. No, I had script writing with Neil yeah, first with Professor semester. Neil. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had him for a few classes, Professor Johnston. And, and well, you, know, what, you know, I got to give a shout out to, to Michael Johnston because well, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he made like that learning experience very cool. But, you know, you look at that sort of easy transition. Talk a little bit about that because, you know, you, you start with him. I imagine, you know, having that sort of youthful presence, you know, from somebody who is just starting, mm-hmm. I, I imagine had to be a big positive, positive look for you as opposed to maybe starting with other professors who may who may not necessarily have had the best reputation. Yeah. Um, so... I just had the best experience. He was encouraging and passionate. Like I said, Uh, he made me want to learn more. He made us more interested in what we were learning. Um, So I had script writing, as I said, and that was a good class as well. I think Neil is very passionate. Um, I'm allowed to mention names (laughs) of professors because then I also had intro that semester with Genia. Um, and it's, it's just interesting. He's very, I mean, they're all three very passionate about what they teach. Um, just such a different teaching, uh, the way they go about it. So, um, Professor Johnston just, I think him and I are more on the same level where we just, I I like identified more with, um, him personally and stuff and like got to know him kind of as a friend as well as a professor. And I think that, just made me so much more interested in like, hey, like this person actually cares about me, not just like about teaching and money and stuff. So that made me more interested in what I was learning and then also like getting to know him better and stuff. So I'm not going to ask for your least favorite class because I feel like that's unfair. But I will ask in your time there, what was your favorite and what was in what was the most challenging to you? Okay. All right. I wasn't prepared for this one. Okay, so my favorite one, I really enjoyed um, Calm Law. I had it with Kara, and you know, I'm I'm very much even with what I do now, very much like a logistics person, and and I can be creative, and I am creative, but like I wouldn't say I'm the most creative. Or so so Calm Law for me was like a really cool way to have it all and you know there was some creativity but then there was also like the logistics and like some really interesting stuff like I just find that so interesting um did that answer the question I don't know most challenging most challenging um oh so I think you were probably in this class with me and I can't remember what it's called but it was fall 2016 ethical issues yes (laughs) um uh, I'm with be, Professor Johnson. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be careful what I say about it. <laughs> not that... I, anyway. Well, I think we can... I'm, look- I'm not going to I'll just say it was challenging. It was challenging and it was just... Um, there was a lot of work. More work than... I, I guess I'll say in our classes, it's normally like projects and like, here, make this video or write this script. This, proje- this um, class was a lot of 
looking at something and reviewing it sure. and writing 1,200 words about it or whatever. Um, and it was good. Like, looking back, it was good. It was a good thing for us. But it was so challenging and so much work. Speaking as somebody who took that class, I will... You were in it I will me, say, right? I'm pretty yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and I think it was a class where when we first took it, and, and I think this may be, and I think Professor Johnson would agree that this was probably part of where that sort of youth and exuberance in, in, a, in, a, in a recent professor can kind of come back and bite you. because Absolutely. Because I think that was a class where, you know, when we took it, it was like, oh, Professor Johnston, great. And and I think we kind of took the class for granted. Absolutely. And deservingly so, he had a definite right to not be happy with us. You're right. But I do think we also turned it around. And, Absolutely. And, and, and honestly looked at the trials, tribulations, and kind of the ups and downs of, of uh of that industry. So we're sorry is basically what we're saying. <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting because like how I said, our major was so project based. It can be like that. Well, this person put, you know, 40 hours into the project and this person put 15, but maybe there's no way of telling that. So like him kind of, I, I don't know, <laughs> bringing down the hammer, I guess you could call it. I think it really, I don't know. I think it helped. I mean, at the time I was like, are you kidding me? Like this, I have so much stuff to do right now. This is my senior year. I have six classes, you know? Um, but looking back, I feel like I learned so much and it was cause he pushed us. As every EM now CTM, I'm never going to call it CTM. I know, but every, it, does, it doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't, doesn't. No. Uh, as every EM student, uh, has to do to finish their degree. We all had internships. Uh, talk a little bit about your internship experience, what led you there and, and how sort of that all was for you prior to graduation. Yeah. So, uh, my internship was summer 2017 and I know I first applied to MTV and I was like, I'm going to get an internship at MTV and I didn't hear back from them. (laughs) Um, so then I had to maybe make it a little more local. Um, so I started applying to places in Lancaster, which is like, I don't know, 40 minutes from my parents' house. So I knew I could still live at home. Um, And I don't even know how I heard about it. I think I was just applying to a bunch of places and I applied to TC Motion and I didn't know anything about it, but I got an interview and I went in and they were so nice. And then, um, they also had this amazing studio, like they build sets and it was so cool. It was not something that I had experienced in school because we just did different things and they build sets and they do a lot of product videos and they have a huge prop room with like, like it was the size of my house, like a prop room is insane. Um, and so I was like, I really want this. Um, and then I got it and, and it was an amazing experience. And, you know, I really figured out during my internship what I wanted to do. I don't think, I think going into it, I was like, I'm going to be an editor. And then, uh, during my internship, I was like, you know what? Editing, I like it, but it's not for me. Um, it's something I can do, but it's not like they, people always say like editors, like anyone can do it, but it's like good editors have that storytelling and, and that love for cutting things and telling stories through the edit. Um, and I, I do love doing it, but I didn't have that. And so that's, uh, at my internship is when I really found my love of producing and I was like, Hey, I want to make this all happen. Like I want to plan the shoots set the schedule, like hire the crew, you know, hire the talent. Like this is for me and this is exactly what I want to do. Um, and so there was talk of me like being hired there and then they didn't have a position open, but then they suggested make films. And 
I applied and, you know, the rest is history. It's amazing. So I think a lot of times when internships are portrayed in, in films and television, it's, it's a lot of times it's just like, oh, they're the person who, you know, goes and gets the coffee right. and the donuts in the morning. And there was and, that. <laughs> but but I, I would imagine, too, much like the rest of us, you know, there, it wasn't you know, just I know, very minimal of that. A lot of it was 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 very much what I think intrigued us to Kutztown to begin with. Yes. Which is the fact that it's not a case where you're you're starting and spending, you know, X amount of time learning how to use stuff before you actually use it at KU. Oh yeah, no, we're going to go right in. You're going to take intro to video production and you're going to run the cameras in the studio. Yeah. And you know, much in the way with the internship, I would imagine you had that similar thing where, where, yeah, like you mentioned, I'm sure you had to do that every once in a while, but, but, but a lot of it was, was sort of diving in head first and getting that experience right away. So, yeah. So, you know, Talk about some of your, you know, your favorite projects or so that 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 you worked on that the kind of that kind of made it uh, click for sure. you when you were there. Sure. So, like I said, we do they they do a lot of product shoots. Um, so the first shoot I was on, I was like, this is absolutely terrible. We're shooting a faucet for eight ten hours. Like I hate this. Um, but then we we uh, went on to do a shoot for Pergo Flooring. Um, and they, they're the ones that have that dog normally uh, in their videos. But we didn't have a dog this time. But it was this really cool concept of, like, <laughs> yeah. Of, there wasn't a dog. I know. I was so mad. <laughs> um, but, you, you almost quit. Just admit it. You almost quit. Yeah. I was like, no dog, no grace. Like, <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Um, but no. So it was a cool concept. There was a bunch of props and stuff. But it, it was just these kids on on this wood floor, Pergo flooring, Um and they were in a boat, and, and they were supposed to be, like, scooping, um, like, uh, fish guts out of the boat or whatever. Um, I'm going way too far into detail. But <laughs> we got to use, like, jello as the fish guts. And it was just, like, this really cool thing of, like, the storytelling almost. Like, I think that was maybe my first experience where it's, like, yes, it's a product video, but it's also telling a story. And that was, like, when it clicked for me, I was, like, this is awesome. This isn't just shooting flooring. This is like a story and it was it was really cool. And I think that's where that's my favorite project from when I was there. I don't even know if I remember anymore. <laughs> so you spend you spend that period of time interning. How soon was it after you finished that you moved on to make films? Uh a week, a two weeks. Uh I interviewed while I was still interning and I was like Hey guys, like TC's kind of offering me a job too. Like, so I kind of put the pressure on. Right. Um, and Make called me and they're like, Hey, we want to offer you the job. And I was like, Great. And then I started like a week later. I think I had two weeks off in between. So it was very fast. So you start at at Make Films and, and was it was it a similar thing where you just kind of hit the ground running or did it take it take a little bit of time to, to kind of get things going there? Yeah, it, I think it took a little bit of time. It was interesting because my job was, uh, my title was coordinating producer, so kind of like an assistant to the producers, um, which was a new position there because Make is a small company. I think we have, I won't say because I don't remember how many people we have now, 14 maybe, <laughs> but um uh, there was only there was less than ten of us, I think, when I started, um, and so it was a new position, and it was kind of like uh, kind of what you were saying earlier about maybe your boss is not giving you as much work as you think you could handle, or like them taking it, you know, something like that. Um, so it definitely took like 
I don't know, I would say a good six months to maybe earn trust with people. Um, not that I'm not trustworthy, <laughs> but you know how it is meeting new people and, and just for someone to say, Hey, can you go book this location? Like, it's not as easy. Like if you've just met someone like, um, so it took a bit. Um, and then I think I fell right into it and it was like, this is the perfect job for me. Um, and so, and then in 2019, I kind of started, uh, working on my own projects. And so that's, and I was just like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. So, um, I've grown as the company's growing and I feel like it's, it's just only up from here. So similar in the question I had about classes at KU, yeah. I'll ask for Make Films' favorite project you've worked on and the most challenging project that you worked on. Okay. This is... I have so many favorite projects. Like, <laughs> I'll start because I have this love of traveling. My favorite project due to the traveling uh, is a project we worked on in Italy. We got to go to Cortona, Italy, which if you're familiar with Under the Tuscan Sun, um, the villa that is in the movie, we uh, filmed it and because it's now like a vacation villa with 10 rooms and you can, you know, rent it out for a week or so. Um, So that was my favorite thing for traveling. But my favorite projects are ones that are kind of crazy and like fast moving. And so in 2019, um, we did a project with Sheets, like the gas station. Love it. Sheets over Wawa. <laughs> I lived in Wawa country for a little while. Oh, bit, no. But, but yeah, I, I, it's when, when you have a Sheets down the road from your high school, you kind of can't. Yeah. 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 I've always been Sheets. I've, like, never had a Wawa near me, so. Yeah. Um, but they, it was really cool. They picked sheets freaks, as they call them. They found them on social media and, and like, kind of stalked them and found things that they needed. And we got to surprise people with cars and RVs and $25,000 donations to a charity and money to travel. Um, so that was my favorite project because it was fast moving. I had to, you know, get a Volkswagen to North Carolina and I had to get an Airstream to Virginia. And it was... Did you actually have to drive a Volkswagen to North Carolina? Personally, I didn't, but someone I work with did. But like I had to, you know, there was things that like I had to make it all happen and we had to print the big checks like to present to people. And it was just like, you know, all happened in, I don't know, 10 days. Like they were like, we're going to do this. And then it was like, okay, it's going to happen in 10 days. So it was just like the best kind of project for me. And it was fast moving and... Uh, we've had a few other projects like that where I'm like, this is for me. This is fast moving. This I want to be busy. I want to be working, you know, 10 hour days nonstop. And then maybe at night too, <laughs> like, and not, not all the time, but that's the kind of work I like to do. So anything like that gets me really excited. Yeah, it seems like all over the place. And, and, you know, is it that sort of, that sort of high pressured environment that sort of, you know, keep keeps keeps you energized to kind of kind of you know absolutely keep it going yeah absolutely and and I I don't like I travel a lot I take a lot of vacations I definitely like my downtime but when I'm working I want to be working I don't want to have time for a lunch break like I want to be just for the eight hours I'm at work non-stop working so that's the kind of stuff I love Let's talk about traveling because uh, anybody that follows you on social media knows that you like to travel. Love it. Don't be ashamed of it because it's amazing and I live vicariously through all of my friends that that get to travel. Um, Where did the, it's it's like a weird question, but like where did the love of traveling 
when did it start? Where did it come from? Yeah. How, how has it kind of expanded to the point where you're going everywhere from, you know, Florida to, to Italy? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before, but I think I can point it back to YouTube. Like, just the start of travel vloggers, I don't know, maybe in 2014, 2015, like, that had me so interested. And just being able to see different parts of the world through people's eyes, not just, like, you know, a commercial or something like that, like, being able to see people swimming with whale sharks or swimming with sea turtles or um, uh, here's what I did in the Philippines. This is what you should do, too, to save money. You know, stuff like that was I was like, yes, I want to do this. Like, this is amazing. I want to see all of these things and, and I want to travel and I want to meet people. And I, I think it really started with YouTube. Like when I was younger, uh, my family traveled a bit in the U.S. You know, I've been to California. We used to go to Key West every year and like loved it just absolutely that was like what I looked forward to every year um so then I think naturally the next step was Europe and Asia and you know like all of the other places I can't wait to go uh favorite place to visit in the U.S. and favorite place to travel internationally okay so in the U.S. it's definitely San Diego that's hands down the, the city is amazing the beach is amazing no place better in the U.S., in my opinion. Um, and then out of the country, uh, I'll have to say my first favorite is Canada. <laughs> um, but Italy really, really has my heart. Like, oh, man, I, I can't wait to go back to Italy. I can't wait to be allowed back in Italy, you know, <laughs> after COVID. So. I figured Greece would be. Greece was amazing. I mean, every place I've been has been amazing. But Italy was just, like, something different about the people and, and just the kindness, I don't know, uh, and the food. So, Is there any place you haven't traveled to yet that you want to one day? <laughs> you should see the list on my phone. <laughs> um, I really wanted to go to Australia this year, but they're, I mean, they're super strict with COVID, so that hasn't happened. But that, I think, is my next, next big travel when I can. Okay. So let's uh, let's talk about music because that's sort of oh the yeah what is that this, what we're here of for? this podcast what <laughs> um, growing up who were some of the bands artists that that you gravitated towards okay so I'll start with um, my parents were conservative growing up so I wasn't allowed to listen to maybe what I would have wanted to listen to. Um, so Taylor Swift I was always allowed to listen to and she. I, I know some people have strong feelings about her, but she just, from the start, I feel like I grew up kind of with her, and I can remember being, I don't know, 13 and listening to our song, and, and it was just, like, fun and, and amazing, and it was, like, perfect for that time of my life. Um, another one that I listened to a lot in high school was One Republic, and I think Ryan Tedder, the lead singer, is just one of the most talented people ever, so, like... And I went to, like, I tried to go a lot of their concerts, too, like, in high school. And uh, I think they're just super inspiring and love their songs and love what they're about. So I, I will mention on Taylor Swift, I did like when she transitioned from country to pop. I have yeah. A, you know, you know. Real quick, what are your thoughts on her most recent albums? So I would have I chosen one of her most recent albums um, because I'm obsessed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for this, I would have chosen for this, but I was like... 
they're still kind of new. Like, I'll go with something that I really feel connected to. But Of the two albums, Folklore and Evermore, what are... What are... I, I have to say Folklore right now because I that came out the end of July, and I think I listened to it nonstop till October. Like, literally <laughs> nonstop. Like, if you rode in the car with me, that's what we listened to. Like, I remember driving to the airport, like, on a two-hour drive with one of my friends, and, like, I just played the album, and it was like... Well, this is what you're going to listen to. Um, but Evermore is really growing on me. And so probably in a month I'll say Evermore. And I think it's always changing. So so we come to the point where we need to discuss the whole point of this, this show, discussing your most important, your most influential album. Uh, talk a little bit about it, uh, you know, why you chose it and, and why it has uh, such a deep impact on you. Okay, should I say what it is? Yeah. Okay, so I chose Melodrama by Lord, um, and it's a breakup album. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I guess I'll I'll start with I feel like I feel things very strongly, and I feel like Lord feels things very strongly, and so I've I've always connected with her from her first album, but then. Um, this album came out in 2017 when I actually was going through a breakup. And then just when my life was transitioning from college, which I had, you know, gotten so used to, um, to, to real life, which is like the biggest transition I've ever had, you know? Um, and so I feel like this is just such a transition album and, and that's why I chose it. Cause I felt like it had a huge impact on me, um, when I was going through two really big things in my life. So you've heard Grace and I talk a lot about her, her background, how, how great the great things she's doing now at Make Films, uh, but now it's time to go in depth on her most influential album, Melodrama from Lord. Before you hear Grace and I talk about it, let me provide you with a little bit of background information. Melodrama is the second studio album released by Auckland, New Zealand-born singer-songwriter Ella Mariha Lonnie Yelich O'Connor, aka Lord. The album was released on June 16, 2017 by Lava and Republic Records. Prior to the release of Melodrama, Lord built her reputation off of the back of three EPs, including 2013's The Love Club EP. Released six months prior to her debut album Pure Heroine, both projects contained the smash hit single Royals, which won Song of the Year and Best Pop Solo Performance at the 2014 Grammy Awards. Melodrama as a whole charted in 25 countries, including number one placements in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and on the US Billboard 200 and Top Alternative Albums chart. In addition, it was certified gold in Denmark, the UK, and the US, platinum in Australia and Canada, and two times platinum in New Zealand. The album produced three singles. Greenlight was released on March 2nd, 2017. The song charted in 24 countries, including number one placements in Iceland and New Zealand, and top 10 placements in Israel, Australia, Scotland, Latvia, Canada, and the United States, and was certified in nine countries, including two times platinum in Canada and New Zealand, and four times platinum in Australia. Perfect Places was released on June 1st, 2017, and charted in 11 countries, with platinum and gold certifications in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the United States. Homemade Dynamite was released on September 16th, 2017 as a remix single, featuring appearances from Khalid, Post Malone, and SZA. Both versions proved a success, with placements on charts in 13 different countries and platinum certifications in four. Since the release of Melodrama, Lord has kept primarily a low profile. She admitted in May 2020 that she has begun work on her third studio album with the help of producer Jack Antonoff, who was heavily involved with the production of Melodrama. Away from music, Lord will be releasing Going South, 
a memoir about her January 2019 visit to Antarctica at some point in 2021. So, the second album from New Zealand pop singer-songwriter Lord. It's called Melodrama, and we're going to hop into it with the first song, which is actually one of my favorites. They had four standout tracks, and, and admittedly three of them were, were very, very early on. So um, let's talk about the first song, Green Light, for me. Um, lyrically, um, which I didn't really realize you know, how, what the majority of the album was going to be about, as you kind of <laughs> mentioned um, a little while ago, it was, you know, it's, it's very much discussing breakups, discussing heartbreak. And, and this song is, um, is certainly no exception musically during, uh, sort of the, 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 the pre-chorus, um, you know, they had a great sort of music switch up that I really, really enjoyed musically. A lot of these songs, um, it, it, it shocked me. And I was telling you right before we started this, the second half about, you know, it sounds almost like a backhanded compliment, like being pleasantly surprised, but it, it's by no means a backhanded compliment because the music was um, was amazing. You know, uh, you know, reading kind of sort of into this, you know, Lord is working with uh, Jack Antonoff and who is who is is who is great, um, is great producer when he's not you know playing with fun or whatever. But uh, <laughs> that is literally the only reason I knew him was from. Fun. I only know him from Taylor Swift, so. <laughs> Um, but I thought this was a great, uh, a great song to, uh, to open up the record. One of my, uh, one of my four standouts for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I first heard this song, it was like, I don't know, February, 2017 maybe. And I was like, this is a fun song. I can't relate to it. And then I went through a breakup and I was like, this is a fun song. And I freaking relate to every single lyric. And that's like what made me love it. And like super excited for when the rest of the album came out. Up next is another standout for me, the song Sober. Um, love the the intro to this song. The first little bit here kind of reminded me of songs that I, the weird artist to compare it to, but Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of a couple of songs I heard off of his album, Damn. Mm-hmm. So like I heard it's it's like this slow, like almost menacing, like, like it's like, it's, it's not not even like 10 seconds long, I think, but yeah. like the first 10 seconds where it's just, it sounds evil and menacing and it reminded me of, uh, of, uh, in the song, the song name is escaping me from, from that album, but there was at least a song or two on it that, that sort of had that like sinister, like, yeah. uh, um, you know, uh, again, musically, uh, this is one of my favorite produced tracks on the album. Instrumental was on fire. Enjoyed it. Uh, you know, lyrically, I try my best not to look at genius. I, yeah. I use genius to look yeah. at the lyrics, but I try not to read, you know, what other people say about mm-hmm. it. But but there are a couple songs that kind of, kind of catches your eye. And uh, each of these songs, Lord gave her analysis, and oh. um, so like this was one of the ones I sort of saw. But you know, it's I think what I kind of got from it was a, it was a song addressing. Uh, Drunk love, I think, was sort of what I yeah sort of got I, I, from I, it. So the way, yeah, and I what I love about music is that it can be uh, people understand it in different ways. And so the way I connect with it is that it's like, you know, she's in pain and like you know drinking or drugs or whatever is making the pain go away. But then it's like, well, what happens next when we don't have something pushing the pain away? And like, um, yeah, drunk love is a good way to put it. <laughs> So track three, homemade dynamite. Um, they she had a line in here. First of all, um, 
in terms of sort of uh, kind of other artists I, I was thinking of at the time, this was a song that kind of had me uh, thinking about an artist like Alicia Cara mm, and sort of love her. sort of uh, her her style yeah. of, uh, of vocal performance. And um, it's this might take a second to 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 dig in here. And I have to. The reason I, I talk a lot during these is so I can stall a little bit as I read. But early on in the pre-chorus, uh, where she uh, where she says, "Let's let things come out of the woodwork. I'll give you my best side. Tell you all my best lies." I, I don't know why. Like I, I I really enjoyed that that lyric because it, you know, you know, as somebody who frequented college bars for the better part of two years, you know, like. Yeah, like you, yeah, you you lie. Everybody lies in there. Like yeah, trying to trying to pick someone up. Like it's it's. Oh, and I, I, I think I didn't that's laugh what's at that line. yeah. I it's funny, and I think that's what's great about this album too. Is that it is she wrote it as she was like ending her teenage years, and I I felt like that just made me connect to it more. Where I was ending my college years, and like yeah, it it felt it feels like you know. You're you're partying and like maybe the party doesn't last forever if that makes sense and and that's what I felt like was coming to an end maybe for me when I first listened to this album. The next song I would say would probably be my favorite, um, the Louvre. Yeah. Um, and immediately you know the I got Kings of Leon like use mm-hmm. somebody was kind mm-hmm. of what I heard. Yeah. Uh, in that. And that guitar lick, love love that throughout the beat, and then of course you have the the sort of switch up from this this you know solo acoustic uh, electric guitar into this this pop style production that that was of course being utilized throughout all this. I uh, I loved that, and I was also a big fan of um what kind of transitioned from the end of the chorus into the post chorus where she said broadcast the boom 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 and make them all dance to it mm-hmm. and it was it was like a spoken word thing which i think if it if it would have been done any other way i might have it might not have sounded as great but just hearing it like you know she's 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 got the, you know the harmony thing going on and then all of a sudden just like bam spoken word i was like ah that sounds amazing yeah i think it, she's so cool she just does whatever she wants and like it works i think that's awesome uh, what do we got next? Track five, Liability. Um, this was a song that I didn't mark down initially, but thinking back on it, um, you know, I, for, first of all, just it's the most bare bones track to this point. It's it's very much just, uh, you know, her and a piano. You know, I kind of thought about when... Would it have been? I don't know if it was at the beginning of this year because what is 2020? But it might have been at the end of last year. Taylor Swift was on the Tonight Show, not long after Jimmy Fallon's mother passed away, mm. and she performed oh, that the song. song she wrote. Um, was it New Year's Eve? No, it wasn't. Um, it's the song she wrote for, about her mother because her mother has brain cancer, and she said she would never play the song uh, live. Right, and she did, and. I can't think of what it's called, but I, I can find it yeah, real fast. Yeah, because I just I remember that moment because it was not long after Jimmy Fallon's mother had mm. passed, and, and, and it had was a really emotional moment. But that was sort of what I thought of 
was was that sort of you know just it was just it's called soon you'll get better soon you'll get better yeah oh um, yeah yeah it's a good comparison and lyrically looking at this um you know the big theme I was getting throughout this was just self-deprecation. Yeah. Like this is a, it's 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 a it's it's not a shame. It's just kind of what you see experience with a couple tracks on here is yeah. is the fact that it's a track that sounds one way but lyrically is talking about something completely different. And with this song, it's a case where you know the the piano that's 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 on this track is is very beautiful. But then these lyrics are just so, so self-deprecating. Yeah. Oh, I think this is actually my favorite track on the album. And it's it's one that I listened to the first time and I was like, I can't relate to this. And then I could. And every single lyric gets me. And I can go back and listen to this song. And it's like listening to it for the first time. And I think what I come out with, though, every time is like how important a relationship with yourself is. And um like, you can have as many relationships with other people as you want, but, like, the most important one really is with yourself. And, like, I think it's really cool that she realized that and then kind of encompassed it into a song. And I think it helps, certainly helped me. So <laughs> I think it's I th- amazing. I think the verse that, that really sticks out to me is the second verse here. It's kind of kind of looking over things where she says, uh, the truth is I'm a toy that people enjoy till all the tricks don't work anymore and then they're bored of me. I know that it's exciting running through the night. But every perfect summer is eating me alive until you're gone better on my own. Like, that, especially the first half of that, yeah. is kind of like, okay, I, I'm, like, you think I'm useless without you. Yeah. It's that, that sort of thing. And, it's, and it kind of just ties back to, like, you know, oh, am I, like, am I a liability, like, with you? Like, that's very, like, again, self-deprecating. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was just the Yeah, big... no, absolutely, yeah. Um, up next is, uh, we're past, we're just about, uh, (laughs) we're just about (laughs) unedited. Um, just about at the uh, halfway point here with track six, a a two part track, hard feelings and loveless. So looking at this, um, at this song, first of all, uh, lyrically, um, I love sort of the the, the last the last couple of, of lines here in the um, in the chorus where where Lord says, "God, I wish I believed you when you told me this was my home." That was sort of like one of those standout um, those standout lines for me. Um, there was you know the instrumental instrumental break throughout this where there was like a. I'm not sure how long it was, but sort of, you know, the, the first part of, you know, the hard feelings part kind of ends and then there's like an instrumental break and then you eventually go into, into, um, loveless, um, cheery sounding yeah. in sort of how it was delivered, how the, how the words were delivered. But again, an instance where it's, it's, it's two sides of a different coin, right? Like it sounds happy, but then you read the lyrics yeah, and it's 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 sad. Um, the 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 production in Loveless, love it. This, yeah, it's just all of a sudden goes into this this just like uh, honestly something you would probably hear in a club, and I and I appreciated that because yeah. it was it again it's, it's something you're not expecting, right? You're 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 here in one way, and you're kind of you know in your feels, whatever. And then the last two two and a half minutes is just this banger of of a song that. You know, lyrically is still, you know, touching on something heavy, but it's still a song that too, like you're listening to it and it's, and it's like, um, 
you know, kind of almost comparing it to like a uh, like Kendrick Lamar has a song called uh, the Swimming Pools, mm-hmm. which is a yeah. which is a trap party style song, but lyrically is a song that is anti drinking. Yeah. Right, so yeah. it's like it's kind of kind of like that. Uh, great, great song here, and I was a big fan too. Uh, thought it was interesting the sort of long fade out that that happened uh, mm-hmm. towards the uh, towards the end of the song as um, as we transition to the next song later. So, should I say something? <laughs> oh yeah, this is back and forth. This is back and forth. Yeah, um, I, uh, I'll just say yeah, I agree. I think hard feelings is really good, and then. I think she was like, well, we don't want to make people too sad and gave us loveless. But I do want to say um, my favorite long, my favorite line, um, I think, is I care for myself the way I used to care about you. I think it's like it kind of goes with liability. I, I know in liability, she's like, you know, people don't care about her. But uh, she's like saying that she puts herself uh completely into the relationship. And for this one to come after liability and say that she's putting herself completely uh, into herself now, if that makes sense. I thought that was, that really hit me. I thought that was really good. Uh, the, the second part of sober is up next with the subtitled title track melodrama. Um, and ironically a very melodramatic intro is Mm -hmm. what I put. That's, that's my chance to, to get the, get the album (laughs) title in my notes. Um, (laughs) Um, this was a song where the, the, uh, the production, uh, picks up for me the, the second half of the second verse, the bass drop in there, loved it. Um, a short, short little track, almost mm-hmm. an interlude of sorts. Um, I thought a great, uh, a great continuation from, uh, from what sober earlier in the, earlier in the album was. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> anything specifically to say about that one but i think i think it's once again like an example of her being like well i'm gonna do whatever i want i'm gonna do a continuation of an earlier song on the album and like it's gonna be short and it's gonna be great and it worked track number eight here is writer in the dark um so for me wow um (laughs) the what I initially described as I as I sort of read back over the lyrics here, brutal opening lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, break the news, you're walking out to be a good man for someone else. Sorry I was never good like you. Stood on my chest and kept me down. Uh, okay. They just, okay. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I'll just, I just want to cut in here to say that I think I really connected with this one because when I was, I went through a heartbreak, uh, I'll call it. Um, and I felt like, no, I couldn't connect with anyone. And then I heard this song and I was like, what other people have been through this? Like, and here's Lord, this badass, like, like 20 year old, like singing about this. And like, you know, if she can get through it, like anyone can get through it. And, and it just made me like love her so much, even more that she's willing to like write, you know, her diary basically out in a song for us. I think is what makes Lord kind of interesting is that she she you know she's performing these songs. It's like it seems you know ages ago that she released Pure Heroin, and, yeah. And obviously you know Royals was a big song off of that, and of course it's a great song. But like you imagine this is coming from an artist who you know is 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 much older than she is, but she released that album when she was seventeen. Oh yeah, 16, 16, 17 insane. years old, and it's like wait a minute, 
you're 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 so young, but yet you're going through uh, like okay, like yeah. like I'm sorry, but thank you for the music. <laughs> yeah. Like um, thank you. <laughs> and 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 just just adding on to uh, to writer in the dark, um, another song that I really enjoyed just because it had that um, stripped back um, taste in the in the music, uh, similar to liability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a great one. But like I said, those 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 lyrics, man. I, I, every every album I review has those lyrics that, as I coin it, will like smack you in the face. Oh yeah, like I'm not gonna turn this on when I'm like happy and like yeah. in a good mood. You know, I'm gonna turn this on when I'm feeling sad and like I feel like what the heck, you know? And this it, and just to feel like someone gets you and and it's amazing. I love it. Uh, up next is the song Supercut and. Um, an upbeat sounding style song, um, you know, lyrically addressing, you know, kind of looking at, you know, the highlights of a relationship or at the very least kind of, again, trying my best not to look at the genius sort of deep dive into it. Sort of what I was getting from it was that, um, you know, looking very much at, the entire an entire relationship being like fast moving. Um, I was a big fan at the end of the song. There was like a bit of a long, like instrumental mm-hmm. ending, um, kind of a like a trippy vocal effect. Yeah, it made it almost sound like uh, like some sort of dream. Mm-hmm. It's like well, like, and yeah, and I think that's what it's supposed to sound like too. Not only is it like. Um, memories from a relationship or from a time with someone, but it's also like her trying to kind of manipulate them to her, how she wishes they went. So I think that's really cool too. Cause that's kind of what we do with film <laughs> too, right? <laughs> we, we make it perfect. So I think Supercut was such a smart title for this one. It was like completing the, like the perfect edit. Yeah. In your head. Yeah. Uh, the, the penultimate track here is the reprise of liability and for me, I just look at um, the main lyric in the outro, uh, where she, where she says, "But you're, uh, but you're not what you thought you were." Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it, it, you know, to a two minute, a short two minute uh, outro to to for that uh, for that song. Um, but I don't know why just it's and that's not even really going in depth just right there like you know not much context but it was still like hearing it uh you know you're not what you thought you were like oh you you know you egotistical so and so I'm gonna you know you know you can piss off like, yeah like, you yeah know I mean? yeah it's wonderful and it's it's just written so beautifully and it sounds it's it's one of it's just like liability. I can listen to it over and over again. And I think it has a different meaning maybe for me every time because I can connect it to a different part of my life every time. You know, I go back and listen to it in a year, and it'll mean something different to me. I had, I had to laugh there as is. Oh no, is this going to be too loud? Oh, I mean, if your dog is eating food, I'll definitely keep that in the edit. But it's, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I was no. What I was going to say was, you know, you. Uh, it, it's. It's it's ironic in, in the best possible way, like hearing you use the word wonderful in an album mm. that is very because but no, it, yeah. it's a good thing because, you know, you're just, you know, the, the whole point of this, like this album is something that, you know, has that deep impact on you. And like you said, you know, you're not yeah. gonna, you're not going to, you know, listen to it if you're going on a, you know, 10 hour, you know, 
road trip. Yeah, I'm not going to start a road trip with this album. Right, right. But but it's just, it's cool to hear like that sort of, you know, that sort of other spin on it. Like, oh, like it does have like it's positive. Yeah. Well, and and when I I think it's so important to feel like someone else is going through similar things or even just to be able to apply songs to what you're going through in your life. Like for me, just with the way I feel things, I think that helps me so much is to just be like, someone else felt this and put it into words and this is it and I can scream it in my car and then like it helps me feel better. So, <laughs> uh, The final track here is the song Perfect Places uh, and I think this is one of those four other standout tracks. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, musically loved loved the song it's very very upbeat and 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 i had to just see kind of what it was what it was referencing and you know teenage teenage parties uh and i I love that that this one can (laughs) kind of be that simple is that is like she's she knows she's 20 or whatever how old she is and and she knows that it's gonna end at some point but she's just enjoying where she's at now while also putting that twist on it where it's like what the perfect places like I well that's the that, that, yeah. that's the that's the thing was was that is probably my favorite lyric mm-hmm. in this on this entire record was the, the third line in the outro here where she says what the fuck are perfect places anyway mm-hmm. uh like geez that yeah that's yeah. <laughs> one of those like crap like yeah that, it's, it, i think it's cool because it's one of those songs you can listen to and it's like this is so fun i'm having a great time and then it's like also the lyrics are so in depth and really make you think. So this was uh, the album Melodrama from Lord. For me, great album. Um, I would say the the standout songs for me: Greenlight, Sober, The Louvre, and Perfect Places. Um, like I said, the especially that 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 line in in Perfect Places. Jeez, uh, just. Um, <laughs> I will say too, I saw her live and Perfect Places was my favorite song she performed live. She just made it so fun. Like she she had an amazing time with it. So as somebody who's never been to a Lord concert, describe a Lord concert. What's it like? I was not sure what to expect because all of the, a lot of the songs are much like this. Um, but she is an amazing voice and it's like clear that she connects so well with her lyrics. Um, so just after this is like a year after the album came out and like it was amazing for me to be able to be there listening to her perform this live after I, you know, listened to it by myself so many times. But then the faster songs like that you're talking about that you like, like she just had so much fun with it where I was like, this is going to be a sad concert. This is going to be like kind of like just a mellow concert, but it was fun and we were dancing and like having a good time. And so I think that's so important as an artist to be able to, to have fun with it too. And not, and obviously like, you know, you're at a concert, you want to have fun with it, but I was impressed. I was uh, surprised and impressed. If you have uh, three or four standout songs on here, what are what are those? What are those tracks? Okay, uh, Green Light for sure. Um, Liability, and then I would say either Hard Feelings or Writer in the Dark. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, they're all wonderful. I can turn on this album and listen to it straight through without skipping anything. So. That's what makes that's what makes a perfect album. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Like and that's how I feel about every Taylor Swift album. 
No, that'll be the next episode, John. <laughs> <laughs> we write every single Taylor Swift album. And you know what? I know every lyric, so get ready. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if my brain can handle <laughs> can handle that. Uh, so great record. Please check this album out. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, as somebody who's not that much of a pop music fan, a pop music stan, definitely enjoyed it. And it's definitely uh, worth, uh, worth a listen. So... Uh, Grace, before we hop out of here, um, just want to leave the floor to you one last time uh, to, to, again, just mention sort of the importance of this record to you. And then, because uh, I know you'd like to brag about what you do, uh, brag about Make Films because cause they're doing tremendous work. Thank you. Um, I will brag about Make Films first. And I'll say that um, you can follow us on Instagram at Make Films Co. And then we're on Facebook as well. Just search Make Films. Um, we have an amazing marketing manager. She does really well with our social media. Um, our website is awesome as well. Um, we do great work. So if you need a commercial or you want to do a short film or a full film or a documentary, um, we love all of the things and we're passionate about storytelling. Um, the album, <clears throat> what does it mean to me? <laughs> He's so loud. Um, <laughs> uh, I wish I could, I would have just finished what I said before. Um, sorry, you can, you're going to edit this, right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I hope so. Um, so for me, melodrama is about transitioning and going through different things in life. And I think it's, it, it is a breakup album, which which I related to, but it also, uh, you listen to the songs and each time, depending on what you're going through in life, you can take something different from the songs. And I think that's so important. And, um, I think it's really neat that the songs have touching lyrics and, and are also fun to listen to, if that makes sense. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Now for the, for the first, uh, in person sit down for this show uh it went great um yeah definitely definitely enjoyed it a lot of time appreciate you having me down here and uh i got you know i got nothing else to say uh grace wagner thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you so much for having me i'm honored what a fun sit down that was with grace wagner again not seeing her in such a long time it was like the old times of you know just randomly like you're running into her in a college class or out and about in the in the thriving metropolis that is Kutztown. It was such a treat and uh can't thank her enough for for hopping on the show. It was a lot of fun. That's going to do it for this week's Kutztown filled edition of the Bangerhead podcast. As always my friends, don't forget to subscribe, listen wherever you get your podcast from. Check us out. We're trying to get back into the routine of weekly episodes, and we got a great one coming out next week. It's more Kutztown-themed fun, as I'm going to be sitting down with DJ Black Rabbit. We're going to be talking about his beginnings from, from growing up in Philly, moving to the suburbs, coming to Kutztown, getting into music production, moving to L.A., uh, how big of a leap that was for him. It was it was a long conversation. I had a lot of fun with it, and it's those long episodes that I really enjoy. So if you're if you like the long ones, make sure you tune in next week. Um, last thing I have for you guys is always the Facebook page, facebook.com slash byh podcast. 
Follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at JMZ1994. And if you know anybody who may want to be on the show, who may want their music featured, make sure you send them my way. Have them contact me on those aforementioned social media platforms. Or better yet, if you want to make it all professional, have them shoot me an email to byhpodcast at gmail.com. It's been a lot of fun, guys. Thank you so much for for listening and enjoying this week's episode of the Bang Your Head podcast. Stay safe. Uh, stay warm, because as, as I'm recording this this outro here, I'm looking outside, and, and it, it, it snowed a good bit down here in central West Virginia. But wherever you are, I hope you're, I hope you're all doing safe, staying well. It's reversed, but you get what I mean. Happy trails to you until we meet again, which will be next week with DJ Black Rabbit. Hope to see you guys then. Have a good one, guys.